0: What's up, FA Nation? Mike Alexander here with an MMA podcast for UFC 267. It's been a minute since we did a, a, a MMA pod, but the UFC one put together such a great card, I had to get on the airwaves here and give you some expanded thoughts beyond what I put down on paper. You can, of course, get the MMA DFS playbook every week that there's an MMA card with a fantasy alarm subscription as well as the corner man video that'll be out shortly. Let's dive right in here. We've got two belts on the line. Something to note, the card does take place in Abu Dhabi over in the Middle East. It's gonna be starting 10.30 a.m. on Saturday. Very early start, that's to cater to the Eastern European and Russian audiences as this card is loaded with talent from that portion of the world. The main event of the evening, Jan Blachowicz taken on Glover Teixeira, with a light heavyweight strap. You've got Blachowicz coming in at minus 310, 9K on DraftKings, Teixeira plus 245, 7200 on DraftKings. Of course, title fight so is scheduled for five rounds. Uh, great to see Glover work his way back into a title fight here. He had been somebody that just couldn't get to the UFC in the, the younger part of their career, the visa issues, things like that. Came over and just got whitewashed by John Jones when he finally got there, but the the dude has aged well, like a fine wine. Uh, you know, he still is pretty hittable, and when he does get hit, he tends to fall down. But the durability uh, is still there to where you know he doesn't get totally knocked out. He's able to scramble. Usually leans on his wrestling in those spots. Uh, which is probably his best asset, even though he does look like a forty-year-old man out there wrestling. Uh, it's not a, a clean power wrestling game. It's just efficient and gritty, and the dude keeps coming. Uh, rattled off quite a win streak here to get this title shot. He knows this is it. This is you know the high water mark of his career. If he's ever going to win the belt, it's going to be on Saturday. Uh, Blahovich. Uh, kind of the same boat you know came over to the ufc he went two and four out of the gate wasn't looking great you know had had some momentum out of the ksw in poland there um but since turned things around his his muay thai striking has really tightened up his power has come alive albeit against some opponents that have some chin issues um but you know at 205 everybody's got power Uh, Jan has always had it, he's just not been a guy that sells out for it. So when the opportunities present themselves, he's certainly capable of knocking someone out. So how does that play into Teixeira, a guy that typically gets chin-checked, especially early in the fight, uh, against Blachowicz, a guy that that does have some some late-blooming power here? I think the narrative is a little bit... It's run away a little bit in the last week. You know, yes, Jan is Polish power and all that stuff, and just mentioned that he has been putting it together. But he's not a guy that is ever going to prioritize knocking out his opponents. His number one priority is fighting a good, clean kickboxing bout, avoiding getting hit where he can, being more efficient. It's always been his game. It's still his game, he's just had better results. So. It's Totally possible that he does manage to knock down and knock out to share. I just don't think it's something I'm gonna want to bet heavily on uh, you, know, you, you can you can get a decent number on the over uh, and you know, two and a half three and a half rounds in this fight, so uh, Both of these guys tough neither of them somebody that's going to go out of their way to fight at a really hard pace um, Yeah, you know, so I, I think it does hit the over it's probably one of the primary stacks in cash games as far as who I'm going to pick in the fight, I think Jan is just, you know, in the prime of his career a little more than, than Glover. Uh, he's a little bit sharper. His grappling game, you know, he, he's had issues with it early on in, in the UFC, but he's since shored it up. Uh, he's a strong dude. It, I don't think that's going to be a path for Glover. So I'm going to take Jan here, um, but probably not as exciting as a fight as people are hoping then we get to the co-main with another belt on the line down at 145 between uh, Peter Jan and Corey Sandhagen. Jan coming in at 8,800 on DraftKings, minus 235 favorite. Sandhagen 7,400 on DraftKings, plus 190. Uh, Sandhagen is almost certainly going to be the most popular underdog on DraftKings. Uh, this is definitely going to be a heavy cash stack. You know, Both of these guys fight with great pace. They can grapple. They uh, can score knockdowns and knockouts. They're, they're both vicious, vicious fighters in a, in a division that's very exciting. Uh, kind of interesting at the tail of the tape here, Jan uh, is, is giving up a lot of height and reach to Sanhagen. Something we haven't really seen him have to deal with all that much in, in his UFC run here. Uh, you know, most of the people he's fought have been in that same kind of stature. You know, he's probably given up an inch or two to most of them, but uh, then again, Sanhagen towers over most of the division anyway. Uh, So that's one wrinkle that, you know, Jan will have to figure out. He's usually a little more effective because he can get in tight. He's got a a nasty little sweep game and and, and trip game uh, that that is an effective wrestling style, um, but not somebody that's going to, like, fire blast doubles. And that's kind of where Sanhagen has had the, the trouble is from power wrestlers. Uh, you know, Aljo just kind of, uh, tore right through him, uh, route to submission. Um, Dillashaw, you know, probably won their fight based on the wrestling, even even though the striking was fairly close, you know, I think Sanhagen won the fight, but, uh, you know, Sanhagen has dealt with guys that can wrestle like Frankie Ed- Edgar, uh, Rafael, Raphael and you know, John Lineker to some extent, you know, that's not a priority for Lineker, um, He's, he's been able to weather those storms. He gets up very well. He's got some slick submissions off of his back because he's got those really long limbs. Uh, his triangle is, is just a thing of beauty. Um, so you, you don't want to get your head caught down there. Uh, so I'm guessing Jan probably doesn't want it to hit the mat, and neither does Sanhagen unless the scramble really presents a, a clear-cut opportunity. Uh, you're probably going to see you know, Sanhagen win the early rounds. He's a guy that is a volume-based fighter, he's going to give up some defensive uh, angles because of it. Jan will start to get his timing and and you know work his way back into the fight. And you know where does that happen is going to be the, the turning point of this fight. Is it in the second round? And you know can Jan win the second round, uh, carry that momentum into the third and fourth, or does it take him a little longer? He has been a fairly slow starter in the UFC. Um, you know not that he's Wasting his time, but he's just kind of not not taking his chances until he's got guys figured out. But once he does, you know, the, the guy has just destroyed everyone in his path for the most part. Um, John Dotson really is the guy who gave him the best fight because he's another super fast, stocky, good wrestler um, guy that, that doesn't take chances. You know, <laughs> Sanhagen's the exact opposite. So, um, you know, I, I think Sanhagen is the the, the most live dog. Out of the championship fights and probably on the entire card, um, you just have to answer: Am I willing to, to you know, take that chalk and, and be riding when I'm facing somebody like Peter Yan, who's shown very little uh, liability in any part of his fight game? You know, you're not going to take him down. You're you're not going to probably knock him out. He's got a pretty good chin on him. We've seen chin checked a couple times in the UFC and weather it well. Um, you know, Sandhagen. yes, he could out-volume him, but when Jan turns up the volume, uh, he's just as nasty. So, you know, um, who can win three out of five rounds is probably going to be uh, the question here. And I do think Sanhagen is very intriguing for that, given that he'll, he'll have probably an early round or two in the bank. But I just think Jan takes over, and Sanhagen leaves too many holes in his game uh, because of his, his output and uh, his length. So, you know, uh, I would pick both champions to retain their belts, even though the odds of the UFC typically say uh, if you're going to have two title fights, one of the belts is changing hands. So don't be afraid to mix in one of those dogs. Um, Yeah, maybe Glover if you're looking for the leverage. Getting into the rest of the main card, we've got Islam Makachev facing Dan Hooker. Makachev coming in at 9,600 on DraftKings, our most expensive fighter. And Hooker coming in way down at 6,600, our least expensive fighter. Makachev a minus 630 favorite. Hooker a plus 450 underdog. We're getting Dan Hooker turning around on a couple weeks' notice here. Uh, He had he had a really hard time getting out of New Zealand due to visa issues and and COVID protocols. Finally, you know, was able to get a a visa the week of his fight, get to Vegas, and put on a great performance. Um, you know, guess he didn't take that much damage and couldn't go back to New Zealand, really, if he was going to ever hope to leave anytime soon. Um, and the UFC said, well, we'll get you a fight here. We, we, we got somebody falling out against Islam Makachev that nobody wants to step in for. Uh, and Dan Hooker's that dude. He's, he's not afraid of anyone. He will get in there with everyone. Doesn't matter if they're killers or on the feet. Uh, he hasn't been paired up with that many wrestlers in his UFC career, but, you know, Clearly, he's not afraid to face a guy with a very heavy wrestling and top heavy game. Uh, So, props to him. Um, Do worry just a little bit about that. Not only the him making weight coming out, you know, uh, after a quick turnaround, but also the effect that that's gonna take on him having had to have be doing a weight cut while traveling from New Zealand, halfway around the world, you know, and then again halfway around the world to Abu Dhabi. So. You know those are some concerns, but the price is really intriguing here. Uh, Makachev, you know, not a lot of anal- analysis needed there. He's it could be light or could be 2.0, however you want to phrase it, uh, is going to look to wrestle you, control you. Not very active on the feet, but he is pretty accurate. Uh, you know, not a risk taker, but the threat of a takedown, you just have to be you know, on your heels so much of the fight against him if it's on the feet. Um, you know, a, a lot of people are pointing out that Dan Hooker hasn't fought a, a, a true wrestler uh, in, in such a long time um, and look at it as a possible negative. I think you also have to look at it, though, as a possible positive. He had some takedown issues early on in his UFC career, way back. You know, Jason Knight took him down four times, um, you know, that was on thirteen attempts, so he still had a seventy percent takedown defense. Um, although Knight did win the fight, but you know for his career, Hooker's got an eighty percent takedown defense rate. He's got long limbs. He's not afraid to throw up the occasional submission. Um, you know, not not something that is bread and butter for him by any means. Um, but you know, he he understands jujitsu. He's not he's not a fish out of water there. Uh, he's got nasty power. He can have good output when, when it's the right uh, moment in a fight or the right fighter he's facing. You know, uh, so the, the real test here is, can Mokachev dominate top competition with his wrestling? We haven't seen him really face that, that anywhere in Hooker, anyone in Hooker's stratosphere yet. Um, you know, Hooker's been in there with all the best uh, for the most part. Like I said, the guy's not afraid to take on any fight. Um, meanwhile, Makachev's beaten guys like Tiago Moises and Davi Hamosh. You know, okay, nice wins. Uh, you know, he over. That was That was sweet. That was a nice submission. Um, but it's just not, you know, um, it, it's not apples to apples. So we're going to find out some stuff about Islam Makachev on Saturday. Uh you do usually have to back the wrestler, and I'm not going to pick against him. But on DraftKings, the the, the $6,600 price tag is very tempting for Dan Hooker in a fight that probably goes the distance. Maybe you know, maybe he can score a knockdown in the late rounds uh, if he's managing to to tire Makachev a little bit. Then we've got a heavyweight bout: Alexander Volkov, $8,900 on DraftKings, minus 310 favorite. Facing Marcin Tabora seventy-three hundred on DraftKings plus two forty-five underdog. Uh, this was a fight, you know, that that kind of had to happen. Both of these guys um, are in the upper echelon of the heavyweight division. Uh, both Eastern European fighters. Tabora somehow has, you know, managed to find whether uh, some some vitamins or good doctors or whatever uh, the training he's doing uh, has found. A career resurgence with, you know, his chin was looking pretty suspect. He's got that fixed. You know, he, he ate some shots against Greg Hardy, and and did not topple over. Uh, his endurance has looked a little better. His physique has looked a little better. Uh, you know, you, you, on the on the when on weigh-in day, you want to see Tiberia hitting the scales. Uh, you know, uh, in the two fifties, if he's in the in the at the two sixty mark, that's kind of where you know he didn't have a good camp. If he's at 250, he, he had a good camp, he's going to look sharp. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. Shout out to Paul Shaggs, who, who is the weigh-in narrative guru and always all over that stuff. Uh, Volkov, you know, he is who he is at this point. Very uh, skilled kickboxer for the heavyweight division. Maybe not the elite striker of the heavyweight division. You know, he just lost to Cyril Ghan, who probably holds that mantle at this point. Um, but there aren't too many guys that can hang with Volkov at a kickboxing bout. Um, you know, Volkov, you either need to to put him on his back with, with your wrestling and and maintain control there, or you have to knock him out. Neither are particularly easy to do. I, I think he gets uh, a bad rap on both accounts due to things like you know, um, Derek Lewis knocking him out uh, at the very end of their fight, even though uh, Volkov had just dominated the entire 14 minutes. Uh, Curtis Blades taking him down 14 times in a five-round fight. Uh, but Volkov kept coming in that fight. Uh, it's worth noting, and in the fifth round, uh, was really giving Blades trouble. Blades was super gassed, and Volkov was still going and coming on. So uh, the guy takes his, his career seriously, trains very hard, He's, he's training his jiu-jitsu, his, his wrestling. They aren't strengths, but he's making them stronger all the time uh, so that they're not weaknesses. So I don't think Tabora is going to be able to do what he's been doing on his most recent run where he's really leaned on his wrestling. Uh, if he can hit some takedowns, you know he, he might be able to control a little bit of time, but he's not going to keep Volkov down. Volkov's not a guy that just is going to accept position and stay on his back. He's got a super long uh, reach on, with both his arms and his legs. He utilizes that when he is uh, on his back and, and works to escape and gets up pretty efficiently. So you know, I actually really like Volkov here as a sneaky play. Uh, you know, heavyweights have the highest knockout rates for good reason. Um, Tabora, you know, we, we think the chin is fixed, but still, you know, he starts eating clean shots. It could be over in a hurry. Um, As far as a dog play, you know, Tabor is not the worst at 7,300, given that he probably does hit a takedown or two. Uh, It's probably not a flash knockout if Volkoff does manage to work to a knockout at some point. You know, you're probably looking at at, at, at double-digit time uh, in minutes. Um, But, yeah, you know, I just don't think Tabor brings the win equity you're going to want compared to some of the other dogs out there. And then we've got uh, the return of Hamzat Shemaev. Uh, you know, so the narrative with Hamzat, if you weren't sure, was that he obviously took the UFC by storm, was about to fight Leon Edwards. You know, that's a uh, humongous leap from you know, uh, John Phillips and Reese uh, McKee. Jumping all the way up to Leon Edwards, you know, I, he he knocked out Gerald Mirschardt in, in between there, but uh, that fight lasted about 15 seconds. Um, so, you know, uh, that shows you what he thinks of himself, what the UFC thinks of him and, and his management. Um, and then he got COVID, unfortunately. Uh, fight was scrapped with Edwards. They tried to get him back in the octagon in March. And he just came out and said, I just, I can't train. He had lingering effects from COVID um, and, you know, kind of semi-retired just said, I don't think I can do it. Um, you know, the UFC reached out and said, don't worry about it. You take the time you need to get healthy and, and get back in, into the ring. And he's done that. Um, you know, the, the risk here is you're facing two risks with Chemayev. Uh, and the fight is with uh, Zhang Li who is coming in as a plus 425 underdog, Chimayev, a minus 590 favorite. Uh, you know, Lee is a, a, a gritty fighter. He can, you know, he can have a little bit of power in his hands, not a very strong wrestler, even though he is a strong physical fighter. Um, you know, the, the, the Chinese products have shown that wrestling is just, the wrestling is so far behind, um, American and Russian Uh, wrestling—they—they aren't catching up fast enough as these as these other fighters are improving, especially in the early parts of their career. And you know that's been the case with Lee. Uh, He's gotten taken down plenty in his fights. Um, You know, uh, he's also a very inconsistent performer. Um, He comes out and gets you know whitewashed by Neil Magny. Then the next fight out, he's knocking out the returning Santiago Ponzinibbio. Uh, you know, the fight before that, he he's performing well um, against Eliza Zaleski de Santos, uh, winning by knockout. Um, you know, something to note though, almost all of his UFC wins have come in China or Singapore over in the Asian circuit. Uh, you know his most recent win against Ponzinibbio was in Abu Dhabi. So, you know, is Abu Dhabi part of that, uh, uh circuit that, that is, is lucky for him or, or, you know, just where he feels comfortable. Um, I guess we'll find out. Uh, but to get back to the risks on Chemayev, you know, your, your risks are that he's faced so little UFC ring time against quality opponents. You know, I would say Mearshark is a quality opponent, but he knocked him out too darn fast. Uh, we didn't get to see him go go any rounds. We, we, you know, we didn't get to see him strike with Mirshard, a guy that's gets some decent, rangy striking. Um, we didn't get to see him defend a submission uh, from the from the top against uh, a, a very slick submission artist um, in in uh, Mirshard. You know, his other fights didn't tell us anything. He just laid on top of guys and, and, and beat them to a pulp that couldn't get him off of him. Um, that doesn't help us learn anything about Hamzat. Uh, but you know I, I think this fight here Lee is gonna tell us a little bit more um, and at some point there's gonna be some really good value on the overs because Chemaya was just blasted through everyone um you know it was gonna be the Leon Edwards fight you just I don't you don't see him blasting through Leon Edwards uh, you know is Lee the guy to do that to, to be the one to expose that you know, even if you're as good as we think Hamzat is, it's just hard to blast through top-level UFC talent. Maybe, but I don't know. I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna say I have a strong feeling that it is. I think Lee gives him a decent fight. I think it probably hits the over. Um, but then again, you know, Lee is kind of a. He is who he is. He's 33, uh, training out of out of China Top Team. You know, they're just not making the same strides as the better camps in the world for, for whatever reason that may be. And I don't know what it is. The other risk is, you know, simply that Hamzat is not 100% still from, from his uh, COVID symptoms and he can't push the pace he used to push. He, he didn't get to train the way he is expecting to train and be, you know, that, that uh, just machine that he was where he can just fire takedown after takedown. And, throw so many strikes from the top, work for submissions tirelessly. Um, you know, is, is that going to be the case? And you're paying six to one to find out. So, you know, uh, do you do you want to go there with that? Uh, it gives me a little bit of pause. As far as on DraftKings, um, you know, Chemayev's gonna be popular. He's the second most expensive fighter. Uh, You'll probably see him in a good amount of cash games. I, I think that his output probably edges him in people's minds over Makachev, even though Makachev is you know a slightly safer favorite based on odds value. Um, you know, it's probably worth getting the the additional takedowns and uh, possible finish that the Chemayev can bring to your score. Um, you know he's going to be a popular tournament play as well for all those same reasons. But um, you know I, I think you, you definitely want some shares of, of a if you're building multiple lineups uh, and and try to get at least match the field. Uh, which if I had to guess it's going to be 45 to 50 percent ownership. And then last fight we're going to break down here on the main card uh, is going to be Magomed Ankaliyev taking on Vulcan Ozdemir. Ozdemir returning from uh, some injury layoff. He had some some knee cleanup. He had to ha- undergo. Last time out, we saw him just demolished um, by the uh, the very unorthodox uh, Yuri Prashka. Uh, you know that that's Ozdemir uh, looked good in the early going, which always kind of does happen against Prashka. Prashka just doesn't mind letting people punch him. Um, <laughs> He invites it and it creates exchanges, and he wins the exchanges after they begin. Eventually, that happened with Ozdemir. Ozdemir just couldn't keep up. He started to gas, couldn't keep eating the power, and um, he got knocked out. Ankolaev uh, has been just tearing apart the lower ranks of the light heavyweight division. Um, you know, Ian Kutalava had him tied up for pretty much all of 2020 with his antics. Blasted him out of the water both times. Uh, you know, went to a decision with Nikita Krylov, but you know, his last time out. But that was a solid performance. Um, Ankeliev is not a guy that is going to take undue risks. You know, he he is that that Russian style of efficient range striker. He can grapple. He does have some submission game, um, but not a guy that uh, is going to sell out and, and risk. Take undue risks at at a divi- in a division that is full of power punchers that could edge your night in, in a split second. Um, as far as the lines, you've got Ankolyev minus three ten, Ozdemir plus two forty five, Ankolyev ninety one hundred, Ozdemir seventy one hundred on DraftKings. The real question here is, you know, can Ozdemir pull off one more? Uh, first round finish which was kind of his signature when he came into the ufc it, it, he ran up to a title shot um by doing it uh in, in two straight fights against misha cherkinoff and jimmy manila um turns out that those guys may have some chin issues uh, due to the damage they've taken over the years um you know since then he's he's been in a lot of really close fights other than the prohashka fight uh you know He was beating Anthony Smith after his title shot, and then just gassed. Anthony Smith takes over in the third round and, and subs him with him a threw naked choke. Um, really close fight with Dominic Reyes. A lot of people think Ozdemir won that fight. Um, knocks out Elir uh, Latifi, which you know you gotta do if you're gonna be the, heavy, the light heavyweight gatekeeper. Uh, takes a split decision off Alexander Rakic. Really impressive. Rakic is a physical specimen, and Definitely a guy that the UFC is grooming for a title shot. And then the Prohashka loss. So, you know, we don't, we, we haven't seen that same deadly striking from Ozdemir so much, uh, unless you're really low level. Um, you know, Akholaev is not really low level. He's a very sharp striker, and we talked about him limiting his risks. So that doesn't bode well for Ozdemir. At 7,100 on DraftKings, I think you do need a, a little bit... Of ownership there, if you're building multiple lineups, because of the knockout equity, and if it happens, it's going to happen fast. He's going to get Ankalyev early on, before Ankalyev's got his timing down, and and able to you know manage the distance, um, utilizing his reach, his kicks, a- and coasting. Um, you know, otherwise, Ankalyev probably takes over and wins a decision here. Although we've seen starting to accumulate the damage on the chin uh, and being off from injury also kind of you know makes you question how hard can he train Uh, is he gonna have the full gas tank that he needs to go through strong rounds with a guy like angoliath so i think there is a little bit to like about angoliath inside the distance and his odds are plus 100 inside the distance which you know says odds makers are not going to give you hardly any value if you're looking to bet it. So um, something that's quite probable to happen. Uh, and then just you know I'll, I'll give you a quick look down the rest of the card for for any notable uh, matchups. Um, you know the the one you're going to have to make some decisions on is Albert Dariaev facing Roman Kopolov. Um Dariaev another big favorite at 9,200. Uh, his grappling should chew through Kopalov but There's some question marks uh, as to who Durayev is. You've got Mikhail Olozhechek coming in as an underdog facing Shamil Gamzatov. I don't know why Gamzatov is a favorite. I don't know how he is going to win the fight. He's not really a grappler, which has been Olozhechek's kryptonite. Uh, Olozhechek also a pretty sharp striker when he shows up ready to, to go to war, which has been more often than not lately. Uh, and then Andre Petrovsky facing uh, Hu Yao Zhang. You know, Petrovsky has the wrestling pedigree to really rack up takedowns against Yao Zhang. Uh, but we, we got some question marks about Petrovsky in, um, in his last fight against uh, Stephen Gilmore in the, um, the Ultimate Fighter. So, you know, there's, there's some, some big favorites, some underdogs sprinkled in the undercard that you could get my thoughts on in the playbook. Uh, as well as my picks. And, and, you know, really digging in this week because this is such a huge card. Um, trying to, to have the best week we've had in a long time for you guys because uh, I really appreciate the support that you guys show me week in and week out uh, and, and putting your trust in me for your MMA needs. Good luck and may the sports be with you.